Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studio at Lambeau Field. And, West, the Packers coming off of a 35-20 road victory down in Houston over the Texans. I kind of call this a, a taking care of business type of victory because you knew the Packers were the better team, but yet you knew Houston, they'd played a lot of really good teams. You weren't really quite sure what you were going to get out of the Texans. But the Packers got on the board early, took control of this game, and really never let up. Well, and it's the thing that you point out there, too. It's the National Football League. Yeah. You never know what can happen in a given week. Just look at the Seattle-Arizona game. It, it, every, these games have to be won and lost. You have to go out there and actually do it on the field, and Green Bay did that. Uh, I know it wasn't the picture-perfect performance I'm sure Matt LaFleur and his guys wanted, but offensively, they came out and set the tone right away, which is what they needed to do after how things ended last week. Defensively, they're still trying to get those turnovers going. They did get one late, but they started the game with three stops, uh, you know, some three and outs to begin, to begin with. You're leading 21 to nothing at halftime. It just felt like at every interval after Green Bay scored for the sixth straight series to begin the game, it just felt like Green Bay was in control and the Packers stayed there. Yeah. Quickly here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. On the offensive side here, Wes, a few takeaways for the Packers from this game. Number one, Devontae Adams has his second monster game of the season in his second full, or sorry, third full game of the season. 13 catches, 196 yards, two touchdowns. He comes up four yards shy of the first 200-yard receiving game for the Packers since 2014. That was Jordy Nelson, of course. Jamal Williams steps in for Aaron Jones. Jones misses the game with a calf injury. Williams just goes out and does his thing. 114 yards from scrimmage, 77 on the ground, 37 receiving punches in the clinching touchdown late in the fourth quarter. And then the other thing also injury-related on the offensive line, Billy Turner flips over from right tackle to left tackle to fill in for David Bakhtiari. Rick Wagner comes off the bench to take Turner's spot at right tackle. And the offensive line, frankly, doesn't miss a beat. Lots of really good developments, as you said. Not entirely clean. There, were, there was the stretch of three and outs there in the second half where things were stalling and sputtering and you weren't sure what was going on. But at the end of the day, missing a couple of really, really big-time offensive players, the Packers put 35 points on the board. They did, Mike. And, and the thing I love the most about this performance from Green Bay is you go into Friday. You and I, we, we were doing Unscripted last Thursday. We thought we had an idea of what this game was going to look like. Heck, we did final thoughts on Friday, thinking we had an idea of what this game was going to look like. I thought this was a game where Aaron Jones really had to have a big day. Yeah. And lo and behold, because of a calf tweak there, Aaron Jones doesn't even end up playing in this. So on basically 48 hours notice, you got to run with Jamal Williams. And boy, did he run. I mean, this, I thought, really epitomized his value to this team and exactly why I've always been so high on him as a player. Was there a 75-yard run that ended up on SportsCenter? No. But the thing is, is that he's so darn consistent. 19 carries, 77 yards, 4 catches, 37 yards. He gets that touchdown at the end of the game that you asked him about on Monday, what it felt like to get back in there. And he's a good pass protector. He's reliable. This game, once it was known that Jamal, excuse me, that Aaron Jones wasn't going to play, it had Jamal Williams written all over it. And you're right, Devontae Adams had a magnificent performance, but... 
I just thought it was another good reminder for a guy that has really been underrated throughout his entire career in Green Bay of what that player presents and what he provides to this offense. Yeah, no question about it. And after, uh, you know, admittedly a rough week on offense down in Tampa, the Packers got things back into gear. And really, it's it started with Devontae Adams right from the right from the opening drive, a couple of short passes to Adams, one of those being for the touchdown. But then late in the first quarter, I guess you'd call it a, a go route back shoulder type of throw down the sideline that Adams admitted he didn't even see the ball until it was right on top of him because of the the lights uh, you know in the the indoor stadium down there in Houston. But he makes a 28-yard catch on a third down to uh, to move the chains, and that was really the one that's that sort of started this big explosive day for Devontae Adams. He follows it up with a 36-yard catch, I believe, later on that drive. Then he gets the 45-yard touchdown early in the fourth quarter. The Houston Texans decided to to try to play single high safety, and they didn't always shade that safety over to Devontae Adams' side. And when that was happening, Aaron Rodgers was going to call the route and call the play to let Devontae Adams make a play, and they made the Texans pay every single time. Yeah, and that was the part of it that really was the most quizzical to me is that the, the Texans really were pretty committed to that. And, I, and when you don't have Aaron Jones, I actually expected that we might start seeing more too high safety looks and more shading over to Devontae's coverage. They didn't do that. No. Now, maybe that it, sometimes if you're a boxer, right, you, you got your punches, you have your strengths, and that's what you roll with in a, in a fight. You're not going to try to become somebody you're not. But I was kind of blown away. I mean, three catches on the first original series. He had the touchdown to end the first series. And then he gets the 28-yarder on the sideline, which was a magnificent pass and catch. And Vernon Hargraves had phenomenal coverage on that play. And then two plays later, you got Adam streaking across the middle for 36. They just had no answer for him. And as I wrote an insider inbox for Tuesday, Mike, we're witnessing greatness now with Devontae Adams. This isn't just a Pro Bowl receiver. This guy should be an all-pro. I mean, he's, he's arguably, and I think very quickly, making you know the, the best receiver that I've covered on this beat. Uh, he, he has athleticism. He knows how to run the entire route tree. He has you know, unwavering confidence with, and, and, you know, being on that same page with Aaron Rodgers, he just brings it all. And then by the way, with the Packers dealing with the injuries that they're dealing with right now at the skill positions, everybody knew Devontae Adams was going to get the ball in this game and the Texans couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers has said many times, he said it publicly. He said it to me in interviews I've done with him for the Packers yearbook and in other settings. No disrespect to any of the great receivers that he has played with. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, the list goes on. But Devontae Adams has the most raw, pure, athletic talent of any of those guys. All those guys have produced. Is, you know, not, you're not gonna, it's not about comparing the stats. Aaron Rodgers says when it comes to pure talent on the football field, Devontae Adams is the best guy he's played with. And I know a lot of fans... They, they worry sometimes about, well, Rodgers is trying to force the ball to Adams, and you know that was the big question with the pick six down in Tampa on the third down and all that. Well, there's a reason. You're, you're, maybe you're going to take some good with some bad there, but there's a reason that Aaron Rodgers is going to feed the ball to Devontae Adams because when he's out there, he's the best guy on the field, plain and simple. There's no one that compares to him. And 
yes, the Packers have solid running backs in Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, but this passing game is about number 17. And if he stays healthy and can avoid, you know, he's had these injuries the last couple of years that have kept him out for two, three games here or there. If he can avoid that kind of stuff, this offense can still find another gear. I really believe that. Well, and it's funny, too, you bring up the whole thing about Rodgers saying that this is the most physically talented guy he's had. He's told the, his old receivers this. I mean, James yeah. Jones was recounting this story uh, to me and some of the other guys on the Packers pregame show a couple weeks ago. I mean, he sat down in the offseason for lunch with Rodgers, and Rodgers said, yeah, this is the best receiver I've ever played with. <laughs> he told James Jones this, and I don't think you can deny it. I yeah. mean, the, the way in which he plays the position is exceptional to begin with. He has all the tools and all the mental capacity to, to handle that and play at a high level. But for how many people dogged him for his athleticism coming out of Fresno State and just weren't really sure what this guy was going to be because he wasn't at like one of these big SEC-type programs. Well, and people wondered coming out of college, he put up these huge numbers yeah. with with Carr as his quarterback, but people wondered, was, was this just a product of the system, this, you know, yeah. the, spread, the spread offense, Fresno State, chuck it all over the place? Well, Devontae Adams proved when he got into, you know, his, his third, fourth seasons here in the NFL, he proved he is a big big-time player. And I hate that analogy because you're absolutely right. That's something that gets thrown out time and time again. Well, are they a product of the system? I got to work today. It's a product of my car getting me here. It just happens that way, right? But you have to be able to catch the ball. You have to be able to make the most of those opportunities. And he had an historic run at Fresno State in basically two years. Yeah. And he was able to be the player that he became. So, yeah, for Devontae Adams, I, I wrote about it again in Inbox, where I think right now, despite missing these, first, these last two games because of that hamstring, he's still on pace for over 100 catches, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns. He's, he's in a different planet right now, and, and it's going to be fun. If he can stay healthy here, it's going to be fun to see what the season can become. Got to give a quick hat tip to Tom Fanning, too. I know he gave credit to Elias because they actually are the ones that confirm the stat. But three, court, three receivers in NFL history have had two games in a season where they had at least 13 catches, at least 150 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Devontae Adams is among them, and the Packers still have – 11 more games to play this season. 10 more games to play this season. Yeah, 10 more. Well, we need to shift gears to the defensive side of the ball. I want to do that quickly here. But uh, gear up for game day, Packers fans. Open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. All right, defensively for Green Bay in this game, Wes, you mentioned it was 21-0 at halftime. Packers are pitching a shutout at the midway point. The Texans end up scoring 20 points, the last touchdown kind of in garbage time, you could say, because the Packers were up by three scores with you know less than three minutes to go. Three things defensively that I took away from this game. One, we saw Preston Smith have his most impactful game of the season, and I'm not just talking about the fourth and one stop, which was a big play and, and a really, really strong individual play by him with Deshaun Watson running kind of an option there on, on fourth and one at midfield. Preston Smith held his ground, got a hold of Watson, made the tackle. But there were other plays where Preston Smith is in the backfield getting pressure, creating some potential tackle, tackles for loss in, in the running game. I really thought his, uh, we're, we're seeing his game get back to where it was a year ago. The second point was the red zone stops on defense. 
And because I had, I had mentioned that late last week, both on this show, the final thoughts video, Packers haven't been where they were last year in terms of red zone stops on defense. And they got two of them in the second half when there were some moments there where the Houston Texans were potentially generating momentum for a big comeback. They got a blocked punt in there. The Packers offense was stalling out everything else but the Packers hold them to two field goals in two red zone possessions, and that kept things as a, as a multi-score lead for Green Bay. And then the other thing I'll say is that this defense, they continue to find guys here and there to chip in that you just wonder, okay, what's their, role, what's their potential role going to be down the road? We, Darnell Savage missed this game. Raven Green ended up going out of the game. We see late in the game Vernon Scott and Henry Black, a couple of rookies, a seventh round pick and an undrafted rookie. They're making plays on the defensive side. Kamal Martin makes his NFL debut, the rookie fifth round draft pick, linebacker out of Minnesota. He sure looks like he's earning going to earn more snaps here as time goes on. My point is this Green Bay Packers defense is far from a finished product in 2020. We're seeing, we're, we're seeing different faces jumping in. And, yes, Kevin King has missed the last couple of games. They certainly want him back. You certainly want Darnell Savage back. But we're seeing an evolution here with what's going on with this Packers defense. And I thought there were some really positive signs on Sunday. So many things that you pointed out there, and I agree with all of them. I mean, for starters, just to do a quick hat tip to, to Preston Smith, this is this game is more than sacks. It's more than pressures. There's still going to be a game this season where he has two and a half sacks, and, and it really shows up, and he ends up being in the NFC Defensive Player of the Week thing. That, those things happen. Yeah, I agree. But you also need games like this because, as you mentioned, yeah, it was the fourth and one stop, but it was also how he was able to flush Deshaun Watson earlier in that game, and then that led to Chris Barnes' first career sack. Uh, you, you have to be able to, to play throughout a full game and not just be all about, okay, did I get a sack? Did I get a quarterback hit? There's other ways to impact the game. But the bigger issue that you brought up there, and it happened with, with Kamal Martin in particular, you talk about building towards something. I feel like this defensive front, and with having Kamal Martin back now, is building towards something. Certainly Deshaun Watson leaked out and kind of changed the, some of the stats on the rushing yards. But David Johnson only had 42 rushing yards. Duke Johnson wasn't able to do anything from the backfield uh, as a runner either. And that was a testament to, I think, Kenny Clark getting back, and he's still working his way back from the groin. I thought Dean Lowry played better. I thought Kingsley Kiki has been a really nice addition, considering they didn't have Tyler Lancaster. I thought the front stepped up in this game. Right. And you saw a young guy in Kamal Martin who started this game as the run linebacker, the, the, the number two linebacker that was basically just going to be in the base. Well, then you have Chris Barnes leaving with the shoulder injury. Barnes leaves on the first play of the second half. He already had eight tackles. Then a couple, you know, a series or two later, Kamal Martin is now the, the, the solo linebacker, the key communicator of the defense, and he was up for it. I think he has a lot of explosiveness to his game. He made some big thumping plays in this game. The defensive front in the inside linebacker position is such a pivotal role in NFL defenses, and there has to be a marriage between the two of them. And I thought for Kamal Martin coming out and it being his NFL debut, his first football game in 11 months, yeah. if you go back to his injury at Minnesota, was a really encouraging start for him. Yeah, absolutely. We've, we've, seen, we've seen over the course of the 
the season so far, as brief as it's been, you know, we see Chris Barnes, an undrafted guy out of UCLA, come in, and hopefully he can, you know, get some of his injury issues straightened out and and be on the field more. Kamal Martin now is is back from the knee injury that knocked him out during training camp. He came back, got a couple of weeks of practice in, got himself out there on the field, and this defensive backfield, yeah. You, I mean, to be missing, quite frankly, Wes, I mean, to be missing two of your four starters in the secondary, in King and Savage, and to have this receiving core of Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, I mean, yes, they made some catches, and at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson ended up with over 300 yards. As I said, there were a chunk of those that were, you know, really in garbage time after the game was decided. But uh, um, but this Packers secondary held up just fine yeah. against a pretty decent receiving core and a pretty decent quarterback. They're proving they've got some depth on this defensive roster, and I think it's going to pay dividends down the road. Well, and Mike, what is Mike Pettin's favorite defensive package? It's really that hybrid six defensive back nickel that they, they run so often now. Right, with an extra safety as kind of playing an inside linebacker, inside linebacker. what we call that hybrid spot. So the first quarter of this game, that spot is Raven Green and it's Chris Barnes. They finished this game without either player. So that meant it required, you know, you saw Vernon Scott come off the bench. Yep. I'll tell you something right now, folks. I watched him during training camp. I'm not a scout. Brian Gutekunst isn't asking for my opinion on any of these guys. <laughs> Vernon Scott can play. Yeah, he can. He has some speed to him. He has great size for safety. He's going to factor into this thing here sooner than later. I think they found something in this TCU safety. Then you got Henry Black, practice squad elevation on Saturday, basically because they were going to be down Darnell Savage. They're going to have some other injuries. He plays late, has two solo tackles and six snaps, and then he forces the fumble at the end, pops the thing up like it was almost like one of those pop flies like, to second base, the fielder's choice. That was like a carnival game, the way that ball, the way that ball like, popped out. What? There. Like, there it goes. If that happens in Madden, you're like, wow, what a glitch. You yeah. know? But, and then Adrian Amos comes down with it. It's, it was garbage time, but it also came after an onside recovery. The Packers needed to seal this thing. They needed to put the final nail in the coffin, and yeah. he did that. Yeah. I, I just was really impressed, and, and I'll say it too. Uh, Josh Jackson, I thought, had a much better performance in this game. I would agree. He played well in the first half the previous week against Tampa Bay. Some things went against him, and he came back and played well in that boundary spot opposite Jair Alexander. And just to close the point on this, Jair Alexander's turning into a special player, Mike. He's 23 years old. He still has a lot ahead of him. But as I wrote an inbox on Tuesday – he's kind of turning into sort of one of those Darrell Rivas types where it's like, okay, you're not going to see him have five, six interceptions, but a game like this, Deshaun Watson barely ever even looked over at him when Will Fuller was covering him. Yeah, he had Deshaun Watson had no interest in looking at J- Jair Alexander's side of the field. I went through the defensive film yesterday coming back, coming back into work after, uh, after all of the game coverage on Sunday. And, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a mixture of Alexander playing – press playing off he's actually playing more off coverage than press in this particular game but there's no there's no one static way that yeah. you know that that Petten makes the calls and that Alexander goes about it as as the number one corner Watson just had no interest in even in, in even looking there and even wanting to challenge him and then when he did late in the game on the the ball over the middle in the back of the end zone Alexander gets his arm in there and rips it out so you know, Fuller ends up getting the touchdown on the next play against a different type of coverage. But those are the types when 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 the play is there, Alexander is making them making them, 
and he's not getting challenged all that much by quarterbacks because they're, they're just not interested in taking that chance. Yeah, and he's a different type of corner, though, too, because for so many years it really was that press man style. Jair Alexander is a darn good zone cornerback, and he's dangerous because of how quickly he can collapse when the ball's going his direction. That's what kind of puts the fear of God a little bit into these quarterbacks of, okay, is he? am I going to be able to deliver this ball to the target before he gets to it? Uh, he needs to catch those passes. That's kind yeah. of the next step for him in his game. Yeah, Alexander's vision is, phenom- is phenomenal. Yeah. His closing speed and his awareness, it's off the charts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, quickly here, big picture-wise, Wes, the Packers are back in first place by themselves in the NFC North at 5-1 and one because the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football lost to the L.A. Rams. So the Bears are 5-2, and two, a half game back. Detroit Lions at 3 and 3, the Packers opponent this week, the Minnesota Vikings are at 1 and 5. They'll be coming off their bye week and coming to Lambeau Field. But I have to I I just I just have to say this and there were a lot of there were a lot of statement type games maybe you call it in the NFL even though I think that's a little bit overused but what Tampa Bay did to the Raiders, what the San Francisco 49ers did to the New England Patriots, we're seeing we're seeing some of these power teams in the NFC start to assert themselves. But I just have to say this, Wes. Matthew Stafford did it again. He did. Like, how does this guy pull these games out for the Lions? And look, and I know I keep saying this, and mostly I've been saying it in reference to the Bears and the fact that you know they've got the five wins and they're, they're really challenging for the division championship right now. But Matthew Stafford threw the perfect pass to DeAndre Swift in week one mm-hmm. for the touchdown to beat the Bears. And if Swift catches that ball, the Detroit Lions are 4-2 and two right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, one play is the difference between the Lions being 3-3 three and three and being 4-2. and two. And, uh, and I'm telling you what, don't sleep on Matthew Stafford. No, and, and he's, he's fantastic. And I, you, you and I have sat here for, all, you know, for almost five years doing this show now, and I always say... This is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, and depending on the Sunday, you can make an argument of top five. And he never gets the credit he deserves. Now, mind you, Todd Gurley had an assist in that performance, but for him to be able to, again, lead them back, and Mike, he's done this for a decade now without a consistent running game. Do you understand how difficult it is to win in this league? And I know they've had their ups and downs, but to play successful offensive football with not having a complimentary back a lot of times it has to be on his shoulders, yeah. and he has routinely stepped up to that. It, it, it's a credit to him. It's a credit for them to be able to pull out a win. I know what their Falcons record is, but that didn't matter a week earlier to the Vikings, right? right. They have to win the games that are in front of them. And I'll say this, too, as you mentioned with the 49ers. The NFC West has a real opportunity here, depending on how they play <laughs> their cards, that with the seven playoff teams, this could be the year where all four of them end up getting into the playoffs. It's it's trending in that direction yeah. if San Francisco really finds themselves. Yeah, it's entirely possible. Sunday Sunday night football, an incredible game. Arizona and Seattle. Arizona comes back from 10 points down in the last five minutes to get it to overtime. Some crazy happenings in overtime. Arizona eventually pulls it out. So Seattle takes its first loss of the season. Nobody in the NFC is, un- is, is undefeated any longer. The only undefeated team in the NFL is the Pittsburgh Steelers who knocked off Tennessee and handed Tennessee its first Boy, loss. Boy, Mike Tomlin coach, too. Yeah, this, uh, this is shaping up to be a wild ride, my friend. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun year, and, even, and we'll talk about the preview of this upcoming weekend, but some really intriguing matchups this weekend, too. I will close on this. Uh, Seattle, Russell Wilson, phenomenal, playing at an MVP level this year. 
I want nothing to do with the Arizona Cardinals. I've said it since basically week two. You've had to hear me keep saying this. I, I was, I, I was, I brought it up back in training camp that you know when they, they get DeAndre Hopkins, you have Kyler Murray in his second year as a quarterback. You know they've got some players on the defensive side of the ball, and even they're missing. You know their their top pass Chandler rusher Jones. Chandler Jones is is out now. But that uh, that's that's a tough tough division. But if you hold serve at home, win your division games at home, which is what they did, pulling off that overtime game against Seattle, you're going to keep yourself right in the mix in, in, the, in that uh, tough NFC West. Yeah, and Kenyon Drake also ended up getting injured. But Kyler Murray, man, uh, again, if the guy has the athletic talent, we're at the point where we need to start throwing the rulers out because these guys can just go. And <laughs> yep. he's, been a, he's ushered in a big turnaround now in Arizona. Yeah, no question about it. Well, we've gone a little overtime, but yeah. that's okay with that. We'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team all week long on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time. 